English Art International presents Fresh Talk, conversations about creativity in the 21st century. I'm Kathy Bird, and today I'm in Lubbock, Texas, with Chris Taylor, who teaches a course at Texas Tech University. There's one like it in New Mexico, but this is the tech version. It runs in the fall semester, and it's a full load of credits. And so basically the easiest way to think about it is it's a semester abroad in our own backyard. All of our courses happen as we travel and we're camping and living out of the backs of uh, vans. Uh, and so it, it allows the mobility for us to visit the sites that we do and to treat the landscape as a studio and work in the landscape. So you told me uh, that your per field session, it's 6,000 miles you're traveling. Roughly, yeah. And they're camping out the entire way. Absolutely. So the total is about two months of field time. And all that is camping and being on the ground. One of the key points uh, of the program is to be immersed in the landscape. And so that happens by really being in it and of it. And, uh, you describe it as an experiential program that is at the intersection of geomorphology and human construction. What do you hope that the students find at that intersection? Uh, uh, lots of things. But when it, so for me, that intersection is interesting because that's really uh, what we call landscape, the intersection of, of the natural world, uh, the, the world that's evolved over the millennia, the, the shape of the earth, uh, is geomorphology, and, and then what people have done uh, on it through our evolution. And so how we've evolved, uh, and the landscape has shaped our evolution and then we have uh, subsequently shaped um, the evolution of, of the landscape. And so there's a tremendous amount to, to learn from uh, on the human side, on the science side, on the, the complexity of the, of the landscape. Uh, and for me, that's, it's a very fertile intersection. And all the sounds we hear behind us are actually part of an exhibition that is at the end of each program and it documents the projects or work that the students did while they were on the road. It's not good enough just to go traveling and go see these works. That a big part of it is that um, wanting the students to process the things that they're learning and thinking about through their own work. Uh, and so the conversation changes when it's not just words, but it's, it's actions, it's, it's objects, it's, uh, there, there's effects, literal effects to it. Uh, and so that's, the, I like to think of the exhibition as both the carrot and the stick of the program. It's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity. Yeah, I'm here at this huge warehouse where students from Texas Tech are showing projects that they created while they were on a huge field trip. It's like the ideal class for some people, but others would find it daunting or boring or, ter you know, terribly confining to be with, how many of you were there? Twelve. Twelve. People, it's like reality television, kind of, thing, right? <laughs> so you thought it would be, but it wasn't. Like wasn't Survivor. that exciting? Like oh, Survivor. So such an immersive experience requires a real commitment. I'm curious why you made that kind of commitment to a course. I think it's just the opportunity to take yourself way out of your element and go into something without any preconceived notions, because it's. It's an experience that you've never had before, you've never really done something like that, so it's just the opportunity to try it out just to see what you come out with at the end. I think when you take yourself out of your element, you tend to take things in better, you know? Like, it's, it's like this new workout stuff where they're like, oh, you gotta trick your muscles all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like, to, you know, change, change it up. Like, to get out of academia, to get out of the classroom, to do it in a fresh new way. 
How about you, Chris? Why do you do this every year? <laughs> <laughs> For me, the, the motivation is in the it's seeing over the years or blessed in years the individual responses and it, um, for me as an educator what's exciting about that is it's not one dimensional it's I can't predict for each person that it's they're going to get X out of this uh, but the agency and authority that comes back with each of them is to me the thing that's most impressive and, and then also the work within the program as well as how they continue to feed off of that work for years to come afterwards. Your journey includes quite a range of sites, not only natural landforms, but also ancient and contemporary human settlements, industrial sites, and military installations, and iconic land art, like the spiral jetty, which I thought was really cool. You go all the way to Utah for that. I was prepared to just go see land art, professional land art, but one of the surprises that we found out on this trip was the, um, the way we used the way we use land for just to survive as a culture. There's an, a legacy to the industrial acts that we perform, and so uh, we, we visit very remote wilderness, um, the extreme wilderness, and then also areas where high civilization in terms of high manufacturing has, has left its mark, and think about what, you know, what are the impact, impacts of, of human action on the planet. And this comes back to that intersection of geomorphology and human construction, that our, our desire for uh, digital audio recorders and computers and, and whatnot require copper and require, you know, there's, uh, these things come out of the ground and, and where they come from and, and what stories they leave behind is something that we're wise to pay attention to. It was interesting being in Marfa just because, um, like, we, we always see art as being something like, oh, that could be anywhere, but Donald Judd's, um, his, I, I, like, he wanted that particular environment. He wanted it to interact with that environment. And so like the barracks and how everything is set up, he's creating not only these art pieces, but he's trying to, for the audience, he's creating this entire like surrounding, so. One of the reasons that it's an important stop for land arts is the clear fusing between art and architecture and landscape. I mean, the reason to go to Marfa is to visit the Chinati Foundation and see the, the aluminum boxes and to, to realize that the aluminum is a key piece of that, but, and the room is a key piece of that, but if you didn't have all three components, you don't have the work. And the environment. Right. It changes every that, day. The light, the landscape, the color of that grass, and so that fusing is, is vital. And that's a big thing that we're doing at all of our sites, is looking at the interaction between our lived experience, the setting, the history, what's, what's come on um, in that whole, whole picture. What site inspired what you consider the most important work you did? in the program. I was really inspired by Wendover, Utah. And I mean, it was the, the, the town where we went to the Center for Land Use Interpretation. That was very important to go and talk to those people and learn from what, they're, what experiments they're working on. And also, the town is, has this quirkiness that um, inspired us to go explore the underbelly. I think a place where we're, we were all really productive in at the Mimbris River. Hmm. Um, and it was kind of the first place where we, it was probably the most alienated from human contact, I think. Where was this? Um, it's in the Gila uh, wilderness in New Mexico. Um, and I don't know, I think that was our first break from man-made and so we, a lot of us got in touch with what was there, which was not man-made, which was exciting, I think. For me especially, that's where I gathered a lot of materials and ideas. Um, and us being in a place that it felt 
relatively untouched, but at the same time, we're always aware that we changed it just by being there. Was there a moment, or could you remember this moment when you started thinking differently about how you, as architects and artists, would see your role in shaping the environment? The whole trip was like, it was, it was profound, and it was like completely not inculturating, but disculturating, I guess you could say. Like, seeing how opportunistically they, they design, like there would be a nook in like, you know, in the cliff, and they're like, oh, well, we're gonna build right here. We're gonna stack some rocks, and look, there's already, you know, here's a roof, and there's walls. Just little things like that, like, don't fight with what's out there whenever there's, you know, stuff to, that you can work with to your advantage. The, uh, the profound moment would be um, coming back to what used to be familiar. So it's coming back from um, an experience where everything was new and then seeing things differently. I spent a lot of time pacing back and forth when I first like got back home and went inside of my house. I'm like, I felt so constricted and it was awful. <laughs> For me, I guess it's it's one thing to, to actually it, like in architecture, you know the heat's out there, you have to keep it out of your building. It's a different thing to <laughs> go feel it and try and escape from it. <laughs> um, and, and actually understand that, that factor of what, what separates you from everything. Like, it's, it's different to have no escape. When you can't, you're just, like, you're just in take it. a break in some place that's air conditioned. Yeah, it's like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be cold until the sun gets this high today. That's, that's a huge... So you might as well stay in your sleeping bag. That's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> listening to a conversation about Land Arts of the American West, 2011. Read more about Land Arts and hear other podcasts in this series on freshartinternational.com.